I'm never going to take for granted, whether it's a conference for, you know, if it's Youth Congress where it's 50,000 people showing up, if it's a conference of 100 people showing up. I was like, if this video is going on social media, I have no control over its reach. Therefore, it's in God's hands and I'm going to give it everything I have because it's my ministry and it's me fulfilling this desire to just spread the gospel. However, I do. I want to spread the gospel. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are blessed to have Braxton Powell on the podcast. He is the youth pastor of New Life Church in St. Louis, Missouri, and is heavily involved in creative ministry, leading teams at NAYC and General Conference. We had a great conversation about his life and ministry. He shared with us his unique advice for those who desire to be involved in ministry. We talked about what it's like creating content for NAYC, why we should invest in creative ministry, the biggest challenges for our youth, and much more. Before we get to the conversation, I wanted to let you all know that we will be posting an extended version of this podcast on Fountain, where Braxton shares his camera advice for local churches. Fountain is still offering a seven-day free trial for those who are new to the platform. Subscribing there is a great way to support the show and apostolic content, so make sure to check it out. You may be listening but not following. Following us is the best way to stay connected and to not miss an episode. Just select follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we want to encourage you to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It really does help get the podcast out to more people who can be blessed by it. Now, let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm super excited, man. Thanks for having me. It's great. Great having you on. And I've been following you for quite some time. This was before you even came out to Australia recently. Uh, You Mm -hmm. and your wife were out for the uh, Turning Point Conference here in Sydney. I just really love your work and, and the stuff that that you put out uh, along with, with other things. So I wanted to get you on here to have a chat with the audience about some of the stuff that, that you're behind, what you're working on that people may not be aware of, as well as get some of your perspective on, on other things. Yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation. We, we loved being in Sydney, man. I already miss it, and we've talked about it so many times. So, <laughs> Yeah, the coffee culture here is phenomenal. and it blew uh, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'm sure you're not missing is the traffic, which is just just shocking but yeah but but like being there it was so much fun too because i just felt like i could take pictures of stuff and just i don't know so maybe if i came back again mm. i'd be like all right this is lame but uh <laughs> no I, we yeah the coffee was great um my only regret is we kept going to the one place right outside the hotel and yeah. just like a five minute walk down the street was this like shop that was like four times as great i found out that uh um like someone had already been to it that you guys had already had. I don't remember what preacher. Yeah, Adam Shaw. Yeah, Adam Shaw. And I was like, man, if I had just walked a little farther, but both were fantastic. We loved the shop, but that was like my one regret that like this super cool place was like super close. And I only got to go one time. So we'll get a little bit into some of your photography stuff, but Mm -hmm. uh, Sydney is pretty unique for, for someone who maybe hasn't traveled into this region of the world because it has like a really good, blend of like Western style architecture with yeah. Asian style architecture. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest takeaway. I told someone, I said, man, leave it to me to like have an hour long conversation with Jared uh, about taxes. Jared was the driver, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. Okay. I thought so. Th- we talked about taxes. We talked about uh, colonization. We talked about <laughs> just the age of Australia versus America. And all I've been super enamored with, I was like, the two are relatively close in age. Um, you know, somewhat speaking. And I said, so a lot of the infrastructure felt very familiar to me. Um, Even though I'm super far away, uh, I was like, all I had to get used to was there wasn't a lot of overpasses. It was all underground tunnels. But other than that, I was like, it felt kind of like home, except we were on the other side of the road. (laughs) Yeah, it it is pretty good, especially for Americans. It's a great place to visit because it's not a it's not a huge change outside of as right. you said the other side of the road but culturally it's very similar to to a lot of uh, big cities in the states but mm-hmm. and it was 
it was awesome having you with us and uh thank you again for coming on the podcast we oh, wanted yeah. to chat with you and like to start out these conversations by uh the audience getting to know the guests a little bit so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your back your background your backstory just so they know a bit about yeah. you and your worldview yeah so um I'm, I'm a bit of a nomad as some would say um i it wasn't always like that though i grew up in maine so if you're not familiar with the united states or you're not uh from around here that's like the farthest north and east you can go in fact where i lived was the most northeastern city in the United States, Caribou, Maine. Um, and when, when we moved there, I remember my dad saying, uh, "You know, you're going somewhere far away when they name an they name the city after animals you never see." Um, <laughs> and so, spent most of my time there. You know, 2,500 people. Um, we lived on a, an acreage of about 80 acres. We shared it with my aunt, so I had cousins everywhere. We were about four hours from my grandparents, three hours from my uh, lobster fishing uncles and cousins. So my childhood. Um, looked vastly different than what it did in my teenage years and my 20s, um, you know, playing in the woods, hunting, fishing, uh, outdoor stuff, winters were crazy. So that was my childhood. I got to really birth my imagination. Um, I was coming right out of the, you know, when gaming computers and all these things were starting to really kind of mm -hmm. take their mark. I, I didn't really get into that. So like my childhood just existed of like carpentry with my grandfather and chopping down trees in the woods and building my own forts. And so I, I liken it that, you know, my first, you know, the half of kind of growing up 14 years spending in Maine, I really got to build my, my creative brain and imagination. And then all of a sudden my dad decides to just flip the tables on everything I know um, and had been praying for over a year. And we took over the church of Jimmy Tony. Uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, which was the farthest place that I'd ever been uh, or ever heard of. Um, I'd never, I'd only, I'd, ever, I'd only ever traveled to a little bit in Canada, Quebec, Nova Scotia, uh, and maybe like New York, Boston. But all of a sudden we moved 36 hours away. Um, and I'm greeted with this, what, you know, to me was a huge city, nearly a million people, you know, multiple malls, places you can go just to to hang out and what was awesome is, you know, I got to bring in this imagination that, you know, grew up, I wasn't oversaturated with screen time. And, you know, I was able to really kind of bird those thoughts and those dreaming abilities, and then partner that with the desires of being a teenager and hanging out with friends. And I got a youth group that was, you know, more than two people, I got to travel and, you know, see bigger places, bigger things. And so it was really the perfect time uh, to move. And so 14 years in Maine, then we moved to Nebraska. Uh, I was there for five years, and then I went to IBC, uh, and that started my nomad journey. Um, I went to IBC for two years, interned in Ohio. When that internship ended, I felt God led me to move to Louisville, Kentucky. Was there, and I thought I'd be there for a while. And then someone texted me after a couple of years and said, "Hey, you're on a short list for a new job in St. Louis at headquarters. So you want to move oh, there?" Wow. And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> and so, ended up. Uh, falling in love with my now wife right before that move kind of conspired. We met during COVID. Um, and so, yeah, by way of Maine, Nebraska, Kentucky, and Ohio, and now Missouri, here I am. So there's a little bit about my backstory and just kind of where I'm from and uh, why I don't really have an accent, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, well, if you're American, uh, it was funny when you first told me your story, how that you moved from Maine to Omaha and I was like, Oh wow. You moved from like wilderness to like just yeah. flat and nothing. And then you're like, no, it was like moving to the big city. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I guess oh, so. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Omaha is an oasis. When we crossed over council bluffs, you know, they had this big cityscape and I was like, wow, Nebraska's cool. And then I remember the first month of living in Nebraska, the district did like a missions trip to Scott's bluff, which is on the other side of Nebraska. And I was rudely awakened to the emptiness mm. of what is the plains of Nebraska and that I lived in the only place that probably housed, um, you know, a group of people larger than, you know, small towns. And so I learned real quick, Nebraska is not big, um, but Omaha, it's kind of like its own little thing. It's in the middle of nowhere, it feels like, but it was a fun city to grow up in and uh, a lot of fun stuff. So. Well, that's awesome. The, the interesting thing about your story is, uh, you, you know, you grew up in church, you grew up mm -hmm. uh, around ministry. When did you uh, feel that call beyond 
um, you know, being the son of your father, <laughs> who's a pastor, when did you actually feel the call to ministry yourself? That was something I, you know, I really um, wrestled with. As far, as far as I can remember, as long as I can remember, I always had a, a role. Uh, the, the earliest memories I have of serving in the church was um, my job was to show up early with dad, uh, unlock the doors, take the pledge because we had wooden pews, spray the cloth down and wipe all the pews and the wooden, the exposed wood down. Um, and I had a little desk next to him where I had my important papers. I didn't know what he wrote, but I scribbled stuff with him. And so my life really revolved around church as I grew up and I got more talents and abilities. It just added to my toolbox for church. So when I could sing, I sang. And when dad taught me to play drums, I played drums. And when mom taught me to play piano, I'd play piano. And it just, every time I learned something new, it was like, how do you apply this to church? Um, but it was a struggle for me because nothing ever felt definite. I felt like I was just the cleanup crew. I felt like I was the volunteer staff. I, and I loved all of that, but I never had anything that I was like, God has called me to this. And when I was 11 years old, I can't tell you what I dreamed. Um, but I woke up from a dream one Saturday morning and, uh, was on my way to church with the dad, with dad, we were going to do something. And in the back seat, I, in the car that I actually learned to drive in, uh, the crayon stains stained the seats. That was for me. So 16 years old, you know, I'm driving the car that I scribbled in. But anyway, I'm sitting in the back seat with him and I just said, Hey dad, um, I had a dream this morning and God called me to preach. And that was the first moment that I knew like that was what I was supposed to do. Um, so 11 years old, I started changing kind of my focuses. Dad really took, um, time to put his hand around me and, um, you know, tell me how this is how I read the Bible. This is how I study. This is how I prepare a sermon. This is how I look at stories and things in the Bible. And so 11 years old was really that tipping point where, yes, I have so many things I can do for the church. And I love that multi-talented and want to give that wholeheartedly. But 11 years old was when I was like, God's called me to preach the gospel. Didn't know what that would look like. I thought that meant pulpit ministry. Um, hmm. It changed. Uh, you know, and I really are, you know, wrestled with that. We could talk about that a little later, but yeah, 11 years old, called to preach. And that's, that just set me on this journey that's led me here. Well, I guess yeah, we could touch on a little bit there. How, how, do, how have you kept yourself from getting pigeonholed into one type of ministry or another? Because as you said, uh, you felt the call to preach. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit later that you're a great videographer, editor, um, musician, and preacher. So how did you keep yourself from getting locked into just one area? Yeah, it is actually, um, it's, it's weird because a, some of the things that I do the greatest or what I've spent the most time on and the experience I've built came because I felt like I wasn't in what I felt called to do. Um, and so video music, um, those two things really came from like, well, God, I'm called to preach. I'm not preaching. No one's asking me to come preach, but I can play guitar. I can play bass. I know how to use a camera. So if this is all I can do, this is what I'll do. And so for a long time, it was kind of a discouraging thing for me where, you know, I'm the guy at a conference that's shooting the guy preaching that I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I have to create something and so quickly, though, I, I didn't want to become bitter and well-doing. I didn't want to become weary and well-doing of what God had given me to do. And so I just kind of flipped it a little bit. I was like, all right, well, you know, um, uh, you called me to preach the gospel, and I guess that can look different, right? Like I'm helping spread the gospel. Um, and if I can do something to create a better um, appreciation of the word of God, then that's what I'll do. And so really early on into what I would say is my career as a creative. I did a lot of freelance stuff, but when I had kind of just tipped that iceberg of, you know, constantly getting called and consistently knowing that like my name was floating around different groups and people because, you know, I was doing more and more conferences, right? When that was kind of starting and there was a conference that had asked me to come and we're best friends now, and we often talk about this because it's really cool. I did this conference, and you know, back then, 
um, the types of videos that you saw for social media looked vastly different than what we produce now. And um, they were really trendy and whip transitions and the camera was doing crazy stuff and it was borderline dubstep for music and everybody loved it, but it was an infancy of what we're doing now. Uh, and so I get to this conference and my now friend says, Hey, I want this video. And he would show me. And so I produced it. I, I did it because that's what I would do. I, the same videos he showed me were videos I'd made. And then after that conference was over, there was one video that stood out among the rest. It was a video of Rima Duncan preaching about taking your seat. Um, and, and owning it and, you know, being just bold in that. And it was one of the only videos that I'd ever done that actually took the sermon audio and isolated it and really kind of shined a light on what was spoken. It was only a minute long, but the next year, same conference, I met with Daniel. I said, Hey man, I said, do you, do you trust me? I said, you brought me in to do this. I said, I have an idea. I said, I've traveled, you know, a lot this past year and everywhere I go, two things are said to me. They said their favorite video from Southwest was the one of Rima Duncan and that they wished it was longer. I said, so hear me out. I said, we're not going to do anything crazy, trendy, you know, vibey and whatever. I said, every video I create is going to be worshipful, like ambient soundscape music. And it's going to take the sermon and it's going to encapsulate what was preached. If it's two minutes, if it's five minutes, um, I said, I feel like that's what we should do. And he said, okay, I believe it. Let's do it. And with a page that had 1,500 followers, every video at the end of that night, because we did a video after every service, so fr Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning, uh, within hours of those services ending, each video had like 8,000 views. Okay. Um, and it really set me off in this journey of like, I'm called to preach. I wish I was preaching. Um, I wish that's what I was doing right now. I'm feeling I'm getting too older. Uh, I'm licensed. I, you know, all these things I'm telling myself internally. However, it was, okay, I can't preach because I'm, that's not what I'm doing, but I'm here. This is what I have. And so while I'm here, I'm going to capture what I feel called to do. And so from that day on, every video I've made, um, bar a few, but most, you know, every, I mean, you know, I did it with Sydney. Yeah. Um, every recap style video I make is going to do that stuff. It's going to be something that's somber, worshipful and ambient, and it's going to take what's preached encapsulate it into a short platform and disperse it out to be heard amongst the thousands of people that might see mm. it on social media. So that's kind of how I didn't, um, you know, like I, I, I wasn't really in the preaching culture, so I didn't get pigeon held in that because I wasn't preaching, even though I felt called to it. Um, music was just always something that I did. Um, and so that kind of phased out as creative took off. But I think to answer your question, if you're someone that feels multi-talented and doesn't want to necessarily lose out, um, I was just willing. I, I loved getting involved and I loved knowing that I could assist. There were some Sundays that I'd come in thinking I was the photographer, but the bass player didn't show up. Um, and so I was just always willing and able to uh, commit, but I, I you know, um, also didn't want to sell myself short. And so when I didn't feel like I was preaching, I found some way to kind of rationalize what God was giving me and how, I, how can I be content with what I have? Yeah. And, and you, you've ministered to hundreds of thousands through those video clips. Like I know the, the person who is preaching the, the actual words that are being spoken, you know, that person might be the one that people look to. It's like, Oh wow. Rima Duncan, what a great preacher. Mm -hmm. But the only reason they heard that is because the creative was able to package it together to yeah. get on social media. So then, and then who knows how many people are, watch that and then went back and and watched the entire sermon and so on but yeah uh, it's just a phenomenal way of getting the gospel outside the four walls of the church or the four yeah, walls i i look at it conference. like you know the disciples probably felt very um fulfilled when they would do these crazy acts of god and heal people with his name and pray and preach and do all these miraculous things you know but if they didn't ever sit down and just say, okay, like, yes, I want to do that, but I'm, I'm fine to write scripture. Mm. Like we wouldn't have been able to read about all those phenomenal things. I never want to be so like prideful of what I feel I should be doing that I'm not willing to do what God's asked me to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of been like my motto in everything I've done is like, it might not necessarily fit the lists that I wrote in my journal, you know, when <laughs> I was 12 years old. <laughs> 
but I'm doing something and it means a lot to me and I'm making an impact. And if I do it with a good heart, I know God sees it and I know he'll honor it. Well, not to go too far down this track, but uh, the amazing thing is, is that God knows uh, what's in your future. And and he knew Mm -hmm. that, like, say you're 12 years old, you're writing down in your journal, what you feel called to do. Um, He knows that the things that you don't even know exist yet. Like we didn't, (laughs) uh, you know, when you're 12, uh, we didn't know so much about Instagram or the impact that it would have exactly. or social media. And, and so, um, we, we decipher the call of God based on what we know, whereas yeah. God may be calling us to something we don't even know yet. Yeah. I mean, I don't really talk about this much cause I'm not one to boast about, uh, words spoken to me, but I wrote something down. I remember, I'll never forget this. I was maybe 13, 14 years old, just moved to, to Nebraska and we had this conference happening and a minister prayed over me. And I mean, this is still, I mean, I'm 14 years old. I mean, we're still talking before really social media got to what it is now. Right. And this preacher prays, I'm on my, I'm on my face. And he says, you know, um, like the sands of the sea, so will be those that come to God from your ministry. And I mean, I'm, I try, I'm a realist. At some point I, I, my wife jokes that I'm kind of a Debbie Downer. Like she just won She just won a big giveaway for this free closet build. And the whole time she's entering, I'm like, you're probably not going to win. It's not, gonna, it's not, it, it's, it's rigged. It's statistically impossible. Like I'm that guy. And so this guy prays over me and I'm like, sands of the sea. That's a lot of people. How? Like I could preach every youth Congress for the next 50 years and not even come close to ministering to the sand, like, and I don't think I've ever come anywhere close, but I remember I was talking to my parents one day after, you know, I come home and for a holiday and, you know, they were just like, we were kind of just talking about ministry and I brought that up and they reminded me of that. And in that maybe it's the reach of social media that I'll never be able to see, but like the sands of the sea, it's just a video gets posted and thousands and thousands of people could take it in that you don't even know about. Right. And so for me, like I, I, after that, I was like, all right, like I'm never going to take for granted, whether it's a conference for, you know, if it's youth Congress where it's 50,000 people showing up, if it's a conference of a hundred people showing up, I was like, if this video is going on social media, I have no control over its reach. Therefore it's in God's hands and I'm going to give it everything I have because it's my ministry and it's Mm. me fulfilling this desire to just spread the gospel. However I do. I want to spread the gospel. Yeah, that's awesome. And and we don't know the ripple effects of ministry as well. Like uh, you can minister to a few people, but those people are reaching hundreds and mm-hmm. thousands and so on, which yeah. which is the amazing thing about ministry. The, the ripples never end. They just keep going. Whether yeah. you're there or not, um, mm-hmm. the the lives that you touch are impacted for eternity. And uh, that's, the, that's the amazing thing about ministry. In the midst of this conversation, do you have any advice beyond what you've already mentioned that you would give to someone who feels a call to ministry? And again, that this is um, when we're talking about ministry, we're not talking about just pulpit ministry. But we're talking about creative ministry. We're talking about um, you know whether that's playing an instrument, whether that is preaching. Um, what what is some advice that you would give them? Um, I thought a lot about this question actually. Um, and, you know, it's easy to say some things that might get lost in just, you know, obvious generalities. But I really feel um, the biggest takeaway from my experiences and the way that I've tried to live my life is um, really stems from F- Philippians 4.11, um, where he, Paul is saying, you know, I'm, I want to be content in whatever state I'm in. Um, and when I look at that, I, I really feel like our generation struggles because whether you're a preacher, musician, creative, I could log on to Instagram right now and be just saturated with people that are better than me, that can do it better than me, faster, stronger, better, all those things. And the greatest lesson that I ever um, learned it, it was just this desire to say, like, I've already kind of said it, but wherever I'm planted, um, just allowing God to move me, this thought came to mind, you know, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he would 
finish and say, it's good. And something I've never forgotten is uh, when I just got into this creative career, uh, a friend of mine was like, you know, man, you should, you should just call people. I was talking to him like, you know, Hey, how did, you know, you know, this is a business. It's also a ministry. Like I'm trying to make money. What are your recommendations? Like whatever, like I'm just getting his, his feedback. And he was like, you know, maybe just call around, um, see if anybody's needing. And I'll never forget this feeling I had. I, I've only done it once. I, I called a conference, a church, and I was like, I see you guys are having a conference. Do you guys have a, a videographer? And they were like, no. And they, they brought me out and it was fantastic, but I couldn't shake this feeling. And I still, I still don't like people talk to me like, yeah, you, I know you went to that one conference one time. I'll never be able to shake the feeling that I was only there because I asked to go. Mm. But I also will never forget the day that I was in my office at headquarters and brother DJ Hill came down and said, Hey man, we've prayed. We've talked with your supervisors. We want you to lead a team at youth Congress. I didn't ask for that. I didn't see it coming. I never talked about it. It wasn't something on my horizons even, but it was presented and I'll never be able to shake the feeling that like God gave me that opportunity. Um, and so what I feel to say is whatever ministry you're serving in, as long as you're the one forcing yourself through doors and opportunities, while it may work and you feel great, it won't be the, the type of good that God can create. It could get there, but I never want to take God's ability to do something good in my life. Therefore, I'm not going to try and force my way into something. I'd rather wait for him to say, you've been faithful with small things. So here's an opportunity and it's good. I want to know that when he looks down and sees what I'm working on, that it's good. Um, and so I know it's tough. Again, this world generation that we live in to feel like, man, if I'm not up to date with what I'm working on, if I don't sound or do the right things, if I don't play like this, will I ever get used? Will I ever play? Will I ever get asked to do anything? Um, but find fulfillment in where you are. If that's local ministry, if that's uh, your district, if that's just whatever you're working on right now, be content with that because where you are, where God has you, it's good. And when God is ready to elevate you, it will be good. But mm. if you elevate yourself, you take his opportunity away from making it good. You can It can get good. I'm not saying if you ever push and ask. I mean, I asked to go to that conference and it was phenomenal and it was a great time, but I always want to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has brought me to places. So I would say that's the one thing. Be content in whatever state you're in and allow God to elevate you because when he does, you know, it will be good. Yeah, that, that's good. And, and you touched a little bit there on uh, Youth Congress, the backstory of how you got involved mm -hmm. uh, with leading the team for, you were on the video side, right? Of social media? Yeah. Um, it was, it was actually a weird situation. So, um, I technically was actually asked the year that we had to go virtual. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and so this was again, um, I was kind of brand new at headquarters and the goal was to facilitate a team that could both be led by people that were category leaders, but also be a place to learn and train. So let's bring in a huge crowd of people that, are good at what they do. And then some that are stepping into it, right? A place to train and a place to equip all that stuff. So if you were to have walked back in the creative room at youth Congress, I mean, it was an entire room of like, mm. I think the, I think the photo team had like 12 people. I had, um, I think eight social media had like seven. Uh, and then there was a couple outliers that just kind of did whatever was needed. So it was, it was a large team, but it was a great opportunity to, again, to kind of bring people in and train and lead. So I was asked the, the year that we went virtual um, and then everything went, you know, bad and we had to cancel, um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and Indianapolis uh, wouldn't open up. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole ordeal. I, I actually, because I was technically a part of the, 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 the team, I got to go to the site visit and sit in and, you know, walk around the stadium. And I was super bummed. I was like, man, I little carnal moment. I was like my one shot <laughs> yeah. to do youth Congress and it's COVID. I was so mad. I was like, I tried not to get bitter. I was like, I'm never going to ask me again. COVID ruined everything. Uh, 
And it didn't. Yeah, so there, there's the a ticking clock as well, you yeah. know, <laughs> when it comes to youth ministry. You, yeah, you're not getting like, younger. Two years from now, I'm going to be super old. What are they going <laughs> to do? They're going to ask this old guy? So they ended up canceling, and I had just wrapped up David Jennings' live recording team. And so on a team of, uh, well, not a team, uh, a group of probably, I think, five, YM messaged each separately and said, we'd love for you to um, pitch a bid to direct and produce the virtual youth Congress. Um, and so I pitched, I bidded and I won. Um, I hate to say one, cause that's really not what happened, but, uh, that's, I mean, I, I, I gave information. And so I, the year that I was supposed to do the social team, I actually, uh, had to direct and produce what was the virtual recording. Right. Um, so I brought a whole team in and, you know, had multiple cameras and had to, you know, stage direct and all these things. So it was super cool. And then I kind of felt like that. I was like, all right, like, okay, God, like you, you know, I thought I wasn't going to get to do anything. And then I still got to do that. So that was fun. And I was, ha again, I was happy to just, I'm done. Like I've done my did part. You, I got to, I got to serve a youth Congress. Did you edit? Did you edit all of that? Like, did yeah. you, you did the final edit? Yep. Oh, I had a couple cool. people help, but for the most part, yeah, it was, it was, uh, we had, um, from, cause they had to get everything approved. So from, we had basically a month to shoot and edit and get it ready for like uploading. Mm. So it was, See, it was rather, it was crazy. This is when the podcast audience has to realize that I'm the host and uh, I'm going to ask random questions that are super interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> but. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. Uh, nothing really went wrong. We didn't have any ca catastrophic failures of hard drives or anything. So that was good. Um, the only hard part was uh, there was, there was a major edit that had to be done. Um, and we had to do that with like two days to spare. So I was oh, pretty wow. stressed leading up to uh, the the premiere of the event. So, uh, you know, so that happened. And I, I thought that was like the extent of kind of what I would do. And I'm I'm friends with the YM staff, you know, Brother Hill and I, we, you know, just a couple nights ago, we were we, we play games together, board games. So our families get together and we just stay up until like midnight, you know, playing, I don't know, Ticket to Ride or settlers of Catan or something we just stay up and eat pizza and drink coffee um and so we're we're close right but and again never in conversation have i been like hey you know like if you ever need somebody <laughs> if you need i'm somebody. your guy i'm not that guy right <laughs> like i just talked about like i really I, I hold true i try not to be that guy i don't ask to do things um well anyway um again i thought i was pretty much just done and and you know at least in the music world when i was at ibc the kind of general rule was you play one and you're done you know you don't really do more it was like you, you you know the intent was to have other people so i just figured all right god like that was my time and uh and then that day came where brother hill came down he said you know we prayed about it talked to your supervisors and um he kind of joked after he was like we need to we need to do what we set out to do two years ago when we mm. asked you to do this first so that was it so i'd had kind of my fingers dipped a little bit into helping with youth congress but being over just the video team and directing and kind of um, taking vision and, and, and outputting that was, that was my first time um, yeah. with, with, with YM. And that was, that was social media video, right? You weren't, yeah. were you, you weren't in charge of like live stream video or anything like that. Mm -mm. You had no. to focus on that. So um, yeah. uh, would you mind sharing, and you did that for a uh, general conference as well. Would you mind sharing like, you know, some of the wins from that and, and yeah. maybe some of the, the reach that that these clips were able to, to yeah. get um you know i would say uh a really good thing uh to ask if you're involved in creative ministry um we talked about it we did a panel at general conference on harnessing digital creativity right in as a ministry and um chances are you probably could even answer this because you serve uh, at your church but you could ask your pastor or any of the staff or even some of the members that are just really invested in the church, um, what's our mission statement? And mm. probably without thinking, you could spit it off. Ours is, we want you to experience the love of God and find life in Jesus Christ. Or we just say you can experience life now. That's our, mm. that's our mission statement here at our church. And so I told someone, or I told in this panel, I was like, chances are uh, you could go to a church that doesn't have a creative team, but you could still... Uh, find strong vision and mission. I said, so the best thing you can do as a creative is align with that, right? So what I do with general conference, um, that one's not necessarily a, an ask to do things. That's because I work at headquarters and they're like, mm -hmm. Hey, 
you're a camera guy. <laughs> so that one I'm kind of expected to do, but I yeah, still right. treat it the same. Uh, but with Youth Congress, with General Conference, with any conference that I help at, you know, I kind of did the same thing with you when we were down there for Turning Point. Um, is it Turning Point or Turn Point? Turning Point. Okay, because there's a there's a con there's a there's a conference here in the states, and I always get it confused. I always say <laughs> Turn Point or Turning Point. We're anyway, always turning. That's right. Turning. That's active. what I thought. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Because like I said, Turn Point the other day, and someone's like, "Oh yeah, that that Republican conference," and I was like, "Not that one." <laughs> oh, Turn uh, Point. So, USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Turning Point. Uh, you know, I asked you the same thing, kind of like, "What are you looking to get out of it? What do you want? What do you want to accomplish?" So. My goal going into both Congress and conference was what's the the big outcome? Um, and for Congress, um, it wasn't really anything specific. Brother Hill just said, we want to capture glory. And mm. so when I met with my team, I was like, guys, I really feel like the goal uh, is to just kind of put aside trend. Not that we won't ever do that. You know, we had some fun trendy videos, a really cool merch release and some hyperlapse stuff. I was like, but let's let's the main thing be capturing that kid that gets called to ministry, capturing someone that might be receiving the Holy Ghost for the first time. And I said, let's forgo like trying to make the coolest edit. You know, if there's a mistake or maybe you missed the color grade a little bit, like who cares? So let's try to be good. Let's perfect our craft, but let's capture those moments. Um, and so um, my job was to direct the team and edit the horizontal recaps mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of outline this or outlet outline this vision. And so metrics wise, um, it really blew up. We had one video that um, as of a couple weeks ago, broke 2 million views. Um, we had a video uh, that I think just broke a million views. Um, but I mean, every video was getting 60, 70, 80, hundred thousand plus views. Um, one of my team members made a comment. They said, you know, you're, you're outreaching your like f direct community mm -hmm. when you start getting comments that are like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Where is this? Wh what is this preaching? Like who, like the people were starting to comment that had no idea who we were, no idea what we were preaching. And it was super cool because it's like, we're, we're seeing the reach of what like viral actually can kind of mean of like, you've surpassed the, hundreds of you know other apostolic or just christian people and now you're starting to get into phones of people that have no idea about the love of god um mm. and so youth congress really went nuts um and that was you know we man i can't remember it was like 30 plus videos over the course of like three days wow That's um the the main goal was we had a couple fun ones in the bag a really cool merch video a hyperlapse video some random little stuff, but the three things that we wanted to do the most was anything that could be um, any, anything that you would have posted a graphic about like doors opening, see you at service. Right. I was like, let's make it a video. And so mm -hmm. we did these like super cinematic kind of like top down lighting videos of people saying like, Hey, we just wrapped up day session. It was fantastic. Can't wait to see you at seven. So that was cool. Just another type of content to get to people. So we prioritized that. Uh, and then the other two things that would just, we said, let's just, I don't care how much you do, uh, but at least let's try to get three. It was like three worship reels, maybe two or three preaching and one, ver one horizontal recap. Um, and that kind of changed a little bit. Like one of the worship reels turned into just like a three stack of like horizontal shots and slow motion of people mm. praying. And that's actually the video that got like 2 million views. Um, sometimes it would be like really, uh, animated movements of just one of my shooters kind of in the band pit, just kind of going between different singers. Um, sometimes it was just a single shot of a singer, you know, singing the song. So it was like, I don't care how you interpret this. Like it doesn't have to be the same. I was like, as long as we are capturing the worship moments and then the preaching moments, I think let's just, let's hype that up. And so there was one point where um, the social media director over like the whole page he was like, guys, you got to stop. He was like, I have so much content. He was like, I'm just trying to find the photographers so we can post some photos. He was like, chill out. We brought my espresso machine into the back room. And he was like, I think you guys have had way too much coffee. He's like, take a break. He's like, I have so many videos from you guys. And so I was like, hey, I'd rather be told to stop and slow down than to yeah. say, hey, where's everything? So that was that was Congress. Conference was a little bit more corporate. Um, we kind of set out to, you know, do... Um, 
one to two worship reels per song or per night and one to two preaching reels plus a, a horizontal recap. Um, just kind of prioritizing quantity of content. Um, and the horizontal recaps were really more so as a reason we were already going to be capturing archive content for promo. So I was like, if we're going to have to capture horizontal content, even though it's not super optimized for social media, we can still make something from it and just have a reason to use it, but like just stack it up later for a promo. Mm. So that's kind of my approach. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's just the way that I kind of step into things if I can have a team, but um, with your, with your conference, it was different cause I was kind of by myself. So luckily you did two identical services. And so yeah. I did one service, just worship reels. And the next service, I just did a horizontal recap. So everyone was like, how'd you do all those videos? And I was like, well, they just do two identical services. So, but that's kind you're of still, my... You're still beyond that. You're still a bit of a freak when it comes to <laughs> getting stuff together. There's a couple angles that I don't know how you manipulated it. You, you must have shot it. And then the way you edit it may go a little different, but there was angles that you've got that I've never seen here. And we shoot our, our place all the time. <laughs> like here, here at POS, we shoot it, whether photography or video. Um, that's fun. But man, I'm, glad yeah, was, I'm glad to know you guys cool. saw that. I was just shooting what I saw. So <laughs> yeah, yeah well, back to the metric side, I, like not to talk too much, but it was youth Congress definitely blew up. And so, um, you know, uh, we were, we were kind of shocked to be completely honest. Like we mm. didn't really, well, uh, I, I think from my perspective, I think, and for someone who had to follow it online from my perspective, it was, I felt like you guys did a good enough, I th not good enough. I feel like you guys did a really good job for the event. It's an amazing mm. event. And so it, yeah. uh, you know, try and do uh, the best that you can to capture that and then present it online to someone who's not yeah. there. You know, and yeah. I, that was the goal. We knew that there was a lot of people that wouldn't be there. We gained um, over 20,000 followers in 24 by the end of the, the last service. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I could yeah, see why. Nuts. I mean, the content was awesome. <laughs> so, why do you think it's important for apostolics to, I love, asking this question to creatives. Why do you think it's important for apostolics to invest their lives in creative spaces? I know you're in a, in a number of different spaces, but you've invested a lot of your life in this space and gain knowledge that you're passing on through mediums like podcasts, through relationships, through training people. Why do you think it's important for us to do that? You hear a lot of people say, um, you know, it's the it's the new door to door knocking ministry. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think we still should go out and knock doors and hand out flyers for events. But at social media, creative stuff, interpretation of your event, your live stream, the production, all those things. It's it's just the new way that we take in things. It's it's our church, every time we go over metrics, we have a number of people that are there in person, and then it's doubled the people that watch online. Mm. Now, I can't tell you how much of those people are a percentage of our saints, but if I don't take the opportunity to invest in a market or a community that is very, very attached to this world, both spiritually, both, you know, secularly, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the culture. Um, and so I think as a creative, it's important that you in, it, just at some point invest in this area because it's a, an un, it's an untapped potential for reaching your community if you're not already doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you might think like, well, you know, we posted this video and it only got 400 views and, you know, how will we ever compare to Youth Congress that, you know, gained 20,000 followers? That's not the point. Like in this, yes, if you were starting a business, I could argue with you that, yeah, you probably need to really push it to get it up to higher numbers. But the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God, it's kind of upside down. I, I could reach one person and that be all God asked of me. I shouldn't only try to reach one, but if I put my heart into it, I perfect my craft. I know that the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner turns their heart. So if I make something, and yes, it gets 400 views, but two or three people out of that start finding their way back to God, it's all worth it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, you'll you'll begin to grow. But I just think it's a, it's a it's just an untapped potential. 
um, for us to, to, to be invested in, whether that's through creative stuff, video, photo, design, podcasting, whether it's uh, the production of your live stream. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful place to um, solidify the words that you're trying to speak and the things that you want to share and the testimonies that we have, especially in such a dark world where you can get on and it's like every other news article is so-and-so died, so-and-so got arrested, so-and-so did this, this superstar is now dating this person. It's like, there's just so much negativity and drama about the world. Why not put out something for me that like, I want to make sure that when my youth group logs onto Instagram, there's at least something positive mm. and yeah. it's coming from us. It's coming from our mm. church. It's coming it's from our feed. youth. It's yeah. in their feed. You know, if they're going to see negativity, I want to make sure I'm giving them positivity. Yeah. Um, and so I'm meeting them there because it's a great place to get your word out, but it's also a dark, evil and lonely place. And if you're not doing that, your church people are in it. They're in that world. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all these places. Why not? be there also, but be shining a beautiful, bright light of what we share every Sunday and Wednesday or whenever you do church. Mm, yeah, that's good. And you mentioned there that um, you've just uh, taken over uh, leading a youth group uh, in uh, New Life Church in yep. the St. Louis area. And so not only are you, you've been involved in this videography, photography, that sort of stuff, but you're also working in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um what encourages you about the generation that you're leading? There's a number of young people who will be listening to this podcast or uh, uh, also parents and uh, leaders of young people. Uh, you know, we got a wide range of people who listen to the show. What encourages you about this generation that you're leading? They're hungry. I, I can't tell you how inspiring it is to see just this this desire for the supernatural. Um, and I don't really know why, to be honest, because when I was a young person, I wanted to see it, but I don't feel like we pursued God. Like I see some of these young people pursue God. I, I, I didn't hear stories of young people giving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to move the mission. I didn't hear stories about people, you know, praying people through and, and these crazy things that you, you hear about. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I just think what inspires me most about the group of people that make up this young generation is they are truthfully hungry. They are excited. They're energetic. Um, and they are culturally connected. They can speak a language to this world that I don't speak. Mm. They can connect to them because they get it. They're in it. They're, they're living it. They have to go to school in it. They have to, you know, uh, wake up every day with this, the, the anxieties and, and, and the, the walls that get put up. Like they live in this world's evil nature. And I've already kind of grown up and learned how to have my own life and, you know, see outside of those things and not really be affected by the day to day of the world. And, but they don't. And I know it's hard on them, but I just, they're so, they're hungry. I think that's the only, that's the best thing I can put. And, and they're excited. And, you know, while they may not uh, be perfect, they may not, you know, uh, make the best choices here or there. Or, you know, maybe they do slip up and make some mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm just inspired by uh, their tenacity and their, their excitement to get involved and to learn and to grow and, they're not afraid to try new things. They're, they're not afraid to um, express uh, their unique sides of, of relate their relationship with God. And, you know, when I was a youth, it was like, man, if you ask someone to sing, I mean, it, you, it was like pulling teeth. If you <laughs> ask someone to get up and, uh, and, 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 and do something or speak or, you know, um, and I can't speak for all youth groups, but man, just about every one of my youth, if I'm like, you want to give announcements before I even finish the sentence, they're beeline for the pulpit, grabbing the mic and they're talking like, they're excited. They're happy. Mm. They're, and I know that sometimes they're putting on a mask. They're putting on a face because they do deal with a lot. But I just think, I think this young generation is hungry and ready um, for you know a, an outpouring of God and a revival um, that we're starting to see just kind of stir up and 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 change our world. So on the other side of that, what are 
what are some challenges? What do you think is maybe even the, the greatest challenge that, that this generation is going to face, the, the generation that you're trying to equip and work with? They're being lied to everywhere you turn. Um, one day they're told that if, you know, they think a certain way, they're, they're you know, bad. If they say something wrong, that they're going to get branded as, you know, uh, something, a, a bigot, a racist, a, you know, uh, whoever you, you name it. Um, and I think that there's just this um, overwhelming wall of just depression that's just eating at them. And um, for me as a youth pastor, it, it, it overwhelms me because I never want to take for granted the opportunity to kind of speak to that. I never want to be so afraid to call out the darkness and expose the things that are wrong um, because I'm afraid of what they'll think or afraid mm. of how maybe I'll hurt their feelings that I, I never meet them there and I let them fade away in their despair. Um, I, I, I have a young person that was facing something uh, so hard and their first desire was to fast their phone to hear from God. Um, I, I, I think that they're just, they're, they're, the, the hardest thing is because there's so many voices, all right? In the last two weeks, I've had four young people ask me, how do I know it's God speaking to me? How do I know it's his voice? It sounds like me. It sounds like uh, something. How do I know it's real? There's so much being spoken to them. There's so much being shown to them. You know, I, I was just scrolling through my phone and I'm very adamant that when something pops up on my explore page, I'm, I'm not interested and I block it. I want to tell mm. social media, I don't want to see stuff. So I, I feel confident I could hand my phone to you and you could go through my Instagram and nothing's going to pop up. But I was just one day I was just going in the, one of the absolute worst things I've ever seen. And it's just like, man, I do so much work to fight that and to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, I can't imagine if I was a 14 year old just sitting in my room late at night and this just popped up or, you know, I'm reading about this or, you know, so-and-so is talking about this at school. So I think the, the hardest thing for them is that we've, as a world, not we as a church, the world has ripped away the, the, the benefits of church and the love mm-hmm. of God. We've taken that away. And now it's, it's, you're almost a minority. If you're uh, sold out to God, you're, you're a weirdo. <laughs> not that I felt like I was a weirdo when I was a young person <laughs> for being sold out to God. I can't imagine how it feels to go to school, you know, and, and, and dress like they dress and have to live like, so I think, I think the hardest thing is they're being lied to. And now they're, they're struggling to say, was that God? Was that me? Who do I listen to? Who, who's, who's loud in my life? What there's just so much noise. And I think that's why they're hungry. They're desperate, but I think they're alone. And I think they're, they're fighting that. So at least that's my perspective. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, so. I think it's our our job as leaders or those who are who are helping them grow and mature to to try and quiet some of those voices and, and give them a, a sure sound, you know, through mm-hmm. ministry, through um, instruction. Uh, when they come to you and ask, you know, speak something true, speak something honest, yep. and and help them work through that noise. You know, the cool thing is, you mentioned um, there there's that there's two sides of it, right? And I think because of the neg- negativity, because of the difficulty it is to, to be a Christian in today's Western society, um, that's maybe why they're as hungry as they are or uh, yeah. you know, able to stand out because they're used to it. They're, they're mm-hmm. used to not blending in, which is, which is cool. I mean, they, it's almost like a superpower. If you're, not, if you're used to not blending in, then you're not going to be affected when, when you're not able to blend in. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I like to ask this question to everyone who comes on the podcast. Uh, what is it that drives you, Braxton, when it comes to ministry? What is it that is that driving force for you? That's a that's a really weighted question because there's so much that I could say. Um, I just thought about this last night. You know, we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about how I felt called to preach and um, didn't really get to operate in that. And I'm now 27 years old. And I'm just now to the point where, you know, I'm preaching consistently and I'm having to learn and try new things. And I feel like I'm an infant and I'm, you know, I'm nearly 30, but like, (laughs) 
like my list of sermons, it, it, it pales in comparison to some people that are like half my age, I feel like. Um, and so I think what drives me the most is in through all of that, right? So let me back up a little bit. I preached last night and uh, I can't say that I felt like it went very well in the sense of the response. However, um, because I've not learned to preach to response, uh, I had to kind of develop what drove me. And so it it's, might sound a little made up or a little bit inflated or whatever you want to say, but it just, it comes down to um, the singular moment when one of my youth texts me after our youth retreat saying, I want to hear from God and I feel like I'm hearing his voice. It, it kind of all makes it make sense. Um, it, it's, it's those singular moments where, um, you know, one person is, is like this happened to me or that happened to me. It's, it's one singular moment when um, I just, you know, there could have been a hundred people in the room, but I felt like it happened it, like only like if going back to what I said earlier, if it, only one person's affected by it. So the driving force for my ministry is that all I have to do is plant a seed. It's not my job to make sure it has an increase. It's not my job to, you know, watch it grow and make sure that it does everything it's supposed to do. The, the, the driving force is that if I just plant this seed and, 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 and not be afraid to speak my heart and um, I'm just, I get to watch so many beautiful things happen. I, I have a friend used to work at this company in Kentucky and he was the direct opposite of me, but I did my best to be a witness to him. And I'll never forget the moment where he knocked on my door and he was like, you're going to laugh, but I want you to just turn some Jesus music on. He said, I'm really depressed. I can't tell you why, but that stuff just makes me feel peaceful. Mm. I never prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. I never got him to say yes to a Bible study. I never got him to come to church with me, but he's changed his life so much from where I found him. And I just told someone today this, I was like, I know that the next person that meets him that is supposed to plant a seed will have a way easier time than I did. And so my driving force is that it's not about me. It's I could do everything right and it go wrong. I could do everything wrong and God still multiply it and make it go right. So what drives me is that I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to let God use me. I know that he's going to open doors when they're supposed to be open. He's going to close doors when they're supposed to be closed. And I'm going to perfect my craft as best I can, but I'm going to leave it in his hands because sure. I'm not supposed to be the good preacher. I'm not supposed to be the best creative I'm not supposed to be the best videographer. It's him. And it's, it's, you know, not to, I'm not tooting a horn here. I've never really publicly said this. It's why I don't ask for tags. It's why I don't want to be mentioned. It's why I don't need to be in the credits. It's just, that's not who I am. It's not why I do this. It's, I, I have a service, a talent that I want to give to the kingdom of God. And if everybody knows I did it, then I've got my reward, but I, I, it's not about me. So what drives me is knowing that, you know, I could make a video for a church that gets 400 views. I could make a video for Youth Congress that gets this many views. I could do all these things, but it's 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 just God. It's it's His sure. increase, and I just want to be content and know that I'm planting the seeds where I'm supposed to plant. And so, um, it's a long, weird kind of you know, general question to or answer, but I just it, it just drives me to just be content and. Um, well, I think it's, I think it. it's a unique answer for a unique individual. Like, you know, you're not normal to, to put it uh, <laughs> bluntly, like your ministry is different. The, the way you developed, you know, and developing, uh, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation, starting off in such a small remote place like Maine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're in Omaha, but still that's pretty remote, even though it's a larger city. Yeah. And, and yet, God is using you in all these various platforms in all these different ways. And so your perspective is going to be unique because you're unique. And even your journey into ministry and how you're being used is extremely unique. You know, you're yeah. breaking the mold for a lot of things, not, not to make your head big, but you're breaking the mold just for a lot of things. <laughs> make sure it fits in the camera yeah. shot. Yeah, I'll just shrink a little bit. That would be <laughs> no, but it, it you know, the, things that you're doing because um, culture is changing, because communication is changing, all that's happening as we're 
uh, you and I were going into our 20s and 30s. You're not in your 30s yet, but I'm, I am squarely <laughs> in my 30s. Um, but, you know, we're, we have the ability to do things that people before us haven't been able to do mm-hmm. in different areas be- because of the uniqueness of, of when we were born and, and brought up into ministry. And uh, I think this has been a, a fascinating conversation, really. Uh, I've gotten a lot out of it, and I'm sure those listening have as well. Um, we do like to finish these by giving our guests the opportunity to share a final parting word with the audience, and um, I'll leave that with you. But thanks again, Braxton, for coming on and, and yeah. giving us your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I've enjoyed talking about this. It's, you know, um, part of what I want to close is I feel like I'm in the middle of it. Um, I'm I'm so fulfilled where I am right now because I've been searching for that since I was 11 years old. And not to say that what I've done over the last, you know, however many years, because my math isn't doing me well right now, um, I've, I'm fulfilled in that. I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'll never, never be upset with the journey here. But this is what I was looking for, this placement of um, leadership and and just being able to uh, you know, have a voice and and be trusted with that. And, you know, I've been searching for that, right? So what I would say is God is writing your story and it's unique. Um, and we never know what the next day looks like. And, and last week we had our youth-led service and our preacher preached about even there that, you know, God is, you know, still God. And even there where you didn't think he was right. And he said something that really made me think it was what you're going through right now, the hard part, the hard time, whether that's feeling like you're not in the ministry you want to be in, or maybe that's a trouble, a discouragement. Um, chances are the thought has crossed your mind is like, where is God? But if you look back there were probably a host of same types of situations where you could say, where's God? And now you're like, oh, I see him. That's where he was, right? So this whole idea that your story is being written, um, and I really have to give credit to my parents. You know, the whole story of Omaha to Nebraska or, or Caribou to Omaha is crazy. Um, and, and a super long story short, my dad was in line to be youth president in, in Maine didn't get it, even though everything said he would get it. He'd served, you know, all these years, right? Well, some new guy that had just moved there got it. That new guy was the guy that brought in Jimmy Tony to preach. That's how my dad met him. So if we were to just isolate, you know, our tunnel vision on just that singular moment in my parents' house where my mom was frustrated because my dad deserved it, he'd worked so hard. Why wouldn't he get youth president? That's not fair. For my dad to look at her and say, it's fine. Like that's, it's God. It, God didn't want me to have it. Had he got it, he would have never met Jimmy Tony. Maybe he would have not in that context. So maybe we would have never moved to Nebraska. Maybe I would have never met the people I met. So it's, yes, it's justifiable that my dad could have been upset at being overlooked and overstepped. But when he did become youth president years later, and he now had a friendship with Brother Jimmy Tony. It set in motion something that's literally why I'm where I am right now. Even though he justifiably could have been upset and said, "I'm this is I'm I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm done." You guys. So all I'm saying is God is writing your story and this journey from maybe called to commissioned. You know, you feel called, but you haven't felt the commission to go do what you felt to do all it's doing is just building you up. It's a toolbox. Um, I I would, knowing what I know now, I would have hated being a youth pastor five years ago because I wouldn't have half the abilities and talents that I have to bring to this church. Yes, as a youth pastor, but as a creative, as a creative for my team, for my youth group, for all the things that we're doing. So honor the journey, be okay with the journey and allow God to bring you to places. Because like I said earlier, When you allow God to do it, you know it'll be good. And you'll be able to, just like I am right now, after years of discouragement, after years of wondering, does God hear me? Did I do something wrong? Am I really called to preach? I can stand here and say it was worth it. And I would would have done nothing different 
because I feel it. I feel fulfilled. I feel at peace. And I, I'm thankful that I never threw in the towel and, and I would have missed this. I would have missed this opportunity. I would have missed a relationship with a pastor that I've so fell in love with. I would have missed a relationship with a new church and a youth group. And I would have missed all of that because I didn't feel like I was where I was supposed to be. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to complain. It's okay to take it to God and ask hard questions. Don't throw in the towel. You're just on a journey. And at some point you'll get where God wants you and you'll be able to look back and say it, it all was worth it. It made sense because you're just, you're letting him guide you. 